Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Did That Really Happen? This is a podcast that we're recording, basically asking preachers to tell some of the most random and maybe some of the more funnier stories that have happened to them in their time as ministers. Uh, I grew up in a family, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, where my dad always seemed to have these crazy things happen to him. And I always thought that was just my dad. And then I'd sit around at the dinner table at lectureships and gospel meetings and hear other preachers tell their stories and think, oh, this is just a ministry thing. And so today we have Joe Wells on the program with us. Joe was on an episode of Through Their Eyes where we talked about youth and the family. And I asked Joe if he would tell us some stories maybe of just some of the the funnier or crazier things that happened to him. And so this is going to be one of those where Joe's going to get to talk and we're going to get to laugh and listen. So Joe, take it away. Hey, thanks guys for letting me be a part of, of this episode. And, uh, I love, I love this concept because rarely do you get to just hear preachers go on, on the record, right? So when we're sitting around the table, it's not on the record, That's right. but now it's on the record now on this one. So no, you know, when I think back about ministry, I, you know, growing up in a home where my father was also a preacher, I saw, um, funny things happen, but I also saw some difficult things happen, uh, from the standpoint of, uh, time spent away and who seemed to be attracted to need the minister, right. And in, in his time. And so through some of that, I got to see some interesting things. And, and quite honestly, I saw some, you know, enough to say, you know, I'm not real sure I want that. So I was that guy who wasn't sure I wanted to go into ministry, uh, having seen everything dad did, but, uh, my time in ministry, almost 21 years, I've seen and been a part of some, I would say some interesting things, and then also some things that may not be as uh, funny, but are a part of what we go through in ministry. So you had asked me if I had any. I, I have two, I guess, and I'll start with this one. Uh, this one is the funny one, but it's also a very odd one from my standpoint, because I never would have seen this uh, coming in a million years. You know, that whole idea of just out of the blue. So when I was in youth work back a long time ago, um, I did not like lock-ins, but I knew that kids liked the lock-ins. And so I thought, oh, I'll be the cool youth minister and I'll have a lock-in, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, I I really kind of like to think I knew even back then what lock-ins could turn into if you weren't careful. So you had to be careful about, you know, all the restrictions and things on those lines. And so I I really felt like I was good through all of that. And I planned the, you know, the snacks and I went and bought the snacks and the pizza. Of course, you got to have the pizza at a youth event. And so this congregation had uh, a downstairs youth area, which was really good because we could play games. We could uh, you know, and we could even, the elders allowed us to utilize the church building to play things like sardines and things like that, which is nice, you know, as long as the kids are uh, cautious and you and your adults are cautious about kids sneaking off and doing things they shouldn't do, right? So we had everything I would like to think, everything lined up, we were good. And my rule was at a youth, at a youth lock-in was that after a certain time, um, and this was late at night, but at like late after a certain time, I wanted the guys and the girls 
to go to separate areas. And the thought was that uh, if a teenager wanted to sleep or, you know, a kid wanted to go to sleep, then I wanted to give them that ability to go to sleep. And so they could bring uh, pillows, a sleeping bag, whatever it was, but the girls would go to one room and the boys would go to another room. Now, this was still downstairs, and I knew as an adult I was still going to have to be um, out in a common area, you know, making sure that things were still being chaperoned correctly and things along those lines. And so I always had a situation where I would put a movie in, in both rooms. So there would kind of be a draw for the girls to go to their room and a draw for the boys to go to their room. They lay down, they watch a movie, have popcorn, maybe drink a Coca-Cola, something along those lines. It's still, it's still fun, but I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I really don't like lock-ins. This is my way to try to make as many people go to sleep as possible uh, so that at 6 o'clock in the morning, they wake up, breakfast is served, parents show up at 7, voila, I'm cool, I did my thing, but you know, I got them to sleep half the night. So here's the funny part. Me thinking I had it all figured out. I'm in the common area, just so happened to be where the food is. And in comes a young lady, which would not have been uncommon because they still had access to the food. The guys and girls still both had access to the food. And here I am in the food area, and I'm the only adult in there. Mind you, I'm the only adult in there. It's kind of like a half kitchen. And in walks this young lady who's a part of the youth group. The problem is, though, that when she came in, she had already gotten ready for bed, right? So she was going to stay in the girls' area and just relax, which wouldn't have been a problem if she would have stayed in the girls' area. But she walks into the kitchen wearing nothing, I assume nothing, other than an oversized T-shirt. To which, to which I immediately, the first thing I said, I called this young lady by name and I said, what are you doing? I mean, that's the only thing that could come out of my mind. And she looked at me like I was the one that was, something was wrong with me. Like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm in here to get some food, you know, no big deal. Well, I immediately said, you go back into your room right now and you don't come out unless you have pants on. Now, mind you, this wasn't like a 12 year old girl. This was a, a high school youth group member. And the first thing I thought was, man, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get her dad, you know, and I'm going to have to explain this. Um, but that was one of those moments that now that I reflect back on it, now that I'm out of that, I go, I didn't even want to be there in the first place. I didn't like lock-ins, you know, but it didn't matter. I was forever faced with the dilemma of I had a youth group girl walk into the kitchen wearing nothing than an oversized T-shirt, and there I am, the only guy in the room. So it has, that has to be in the top, like, three of phrases Ooh. you never thought you'd say in the church kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that has to be up there. You um, know, I, I would love to know what the other two are. <laughs> we, uh, Don't come out to you have your pants on. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. we, we just wrapped up a lock-in um, as we were recording this, not when you're listening to it, but as we were recording this, we just wrapped up a lock-in here um, at, at East Hill. And I, I was telling Jonathan um, 
Jonathan Burns, you had the ministry here. I was like, lock-ins in like by nature are so stupid. It is so dumb, but <laughs> kids agree. love them. Kids love them. And in some yeah. concept, like I get it. I get the draw. Like I loved them as a kid and I still enjoy them, but man, I struggled. <laughs> it's hard. Lock-ins are tough. Well, make them have a place to go to sleep. Yeah. Man. If you can get them to go to sleep at a lock-in that now I know there's some youth minister that's going to listen to this and go, that's not the point of right. lock-ins, <laughs> right? I know the point of a lock-in is so the kids think that I'm cool. Right. That's my point of the lock-in. Right. Well, Joe, you know otherwise, what? we'll hang out at the church building until midnight, and then I'll tell the parents to come pick them up at midnight. <laughs> you know what I we did, though? Uh, we had a movie play, and every single one of our kids fell asleep. So I guess, you, I, I guess successfully was able to get all the kids to go to sleep at some point during the lock-in. So. <laughs> smart bull, smart man, smart man. Well, and it's interesting. I had to. I was in charge with Forest Hill for about three years. We did an annual lock-in. And uh, it was, it was a lessons from a park bench lock-in. And so it was a way to kind of try to promote the program and have all these teens come out and enjoy it. And uh, we, we always had Bible lessons. And so we would assign topics to people and uh, we would have girls and guys sessions where we'd have some young ladies speak to the other young ladies and the young men would go and have sessions with an adult typically uh, that would maybe be a little bit more of a, an appropriate, here's some things that you need to be aware of. But this one particular year, I assigned a young lady a topic and she got in to speak. And I asked the, the person I was seeing at the time, I said, hey, how'd she do? And she responded by saying, I don't know. She didn't cover your topic. And so she got up there and said, I know I've been assigned this topic. I'm going to do this instead, which had nothing to do with what the theme nice. of the lock-in was. And so it's it's stressful to plan a lock-in for a lot of reasons. But I think yeah. the, the most stressful part is it's so quick to have something go wrong and it be one of the the worst things that could possibly go wrong because if a kid gets out without you seeing and he decides he's, Hey, I can drive. I'm going to go down to Taco Bell and get, you know, a snack or something. It, it It's tough. I mean, I, I don't envy the youth ministry side when it comes to planning lock-ins because I am still of the mindset that the point of a lock-in is to stay up all night. Right. You know, that's always been what I thought it was. And so I would tend to agree with that youth minister, but that's coming from a person who doesn't have to plan it or even really be involved in it other than attending. So it's easy for me to say that because I don't have to do anything other than show up. Yeah. Um, so. But, well, I yeah. always, I would have done away with them. And eventually during the, as my ministry went on, I did, you know, didn't do them, but we would, it would be one of those things of, all right, we're going to hang out at the building until midnight and then parents, you know, come get your kids at that point in time. So you still had a lot. And of course, that's, I, I changed why I did stuff like that. We started doing more community building stuff. Um, it was purpose, kind of like the lock-in was, was themed, sure. you know. Um, but anyway, I know the kids loved it, and I wanted to relate to the kids. So that's why I do it. <laughs> right. I just never anticipated. I mean, how do you see that one coming? I mean, how do you put that in the rules, right? Don't walk out of the separate area without your pants on. I mean, who would ever thought to put that in the rules, right? But fortunately, right. I never got arrested for it. That's great. And I didn't get fired for that one. So 
That first Good. part's not yet. You don't know who's listening. That's you know? right. I was going to say, there's no limited <laughs> statue, right? Statue limitation. Yeah, good. Thanks, brother. <laughs> For the record, I didn't do anything, and I didn't, you know, I immediately got rid of this situation. Um, I'll tell you another funny thing that happened in our ministry. It, it, it is a funny I was just thinking as we were sitting here. But uh, it's funny to me, but it's odd. Um, again, another odd one. Um, this was when I was preaching. I had a lady come to the door and it was a benevolent case. And that's not uncommon to have benevolent cases show up at the church building. Um, but this particular church building had two doors and one of them is where the secretary would enter. And then the other one was kind of at the back of the building. And that was where the minister's office was. So I could come straight in that door. You know, I didn't, the secretary could get me if she wanted me, but we were at opposite ends of the building. And I think they structured it that way um, because they didn't, you know, at least the secretary and the preacher are going to be in opposite ends of the building. Uh, if they were ever going to be in the building, you know, just the two of them. But um, either way, this particular case, a lady shows up to my door and it's a benevolent case. And she knocked on the door. And of course, I, you know, I tend to let them in. I, you know, nowadays, maybe ministers don't. Back then, we didn't have, I mean, I can't, we didn't have as many shootings as we had had. There just wasn't the same alertness, I guess. But uh, anyhow, so this lady steps in the door and she immediately asks to speak to the pastor, which is a given thing. They want right. to speak to the preacher. Right. But now I've started actually saying, I'm sorry, none of our pastors are here, but I'm the preacher. Can I help you? You know, which really throws mm -hmm. them for a loop. They're like, I don't understand what you just said. <laughs> but, you know, and some guys are like, don't say that. You know, you know what they mean. Right. Right. Um, but anyhow. I immediately said, well, I might be able to help you. I'm the preacher here. Well, I kid you not. She immediately turned around. Mind you, we're standing in the, in the hallway right by the door. She turns around as if to reset herself. Because when she asked to speak to the pastor, she didn't expect the pastor in her eyes, right? The preacher. Right to open the door. So when I opened the door, she wasn't ready for her spiel, for her story, right? <laughs> so what she had to do literally was turn around and she waited, I don't know, three to five seconds enough for me to go, this is weird. You know, what is she doing? <laughs> she turns back around and has tears coming out of her eyes. Now, mind you, when she knocked on my door, she was happy. When she asked to speak to the pastor, she was happy. But when she reset herself and turned around, man, she turned the waterworks on like you would not believe. To which I couldn't help it but be like, you are, are you kidding me? You know, you are putting on a show. And what was, what was even more sad, it's sad, I should say, funny, that was funny to me, was her resetting herself, thinking that if she added emotion to it, it would change whether or not we were able to help her or, or not. But what was sad was there was a guy out in the car outside. He sent, he sent this lady in instead of coming in himself. 
That to me was sad. Yeah. Um, because that tells you they believe that a lady is more likely to get help than a guy. Yep. But that kind of shaped me in my ministry to the extent, even where, when we are today, if I go like to a gas station, like to a truck stop or something, and somebody comes up and asks for help, which is not uncommon. We had a situation once a lady came up and asked for help and told me her story. And then she referenced that her husband was behind where the diesel trucks were. So we went back there and he was, he had also sent her to do this. So that one event in ministry shaped me where I looked at him and I said, why did you send your wife to go ask for money? You know, almost kind of a point blank ass. But I, you know, you talk about weird events that shape you. I was not ready for her to turn around and then turn back around with tears in her eyes, believing that that emotion was going to stir whether or not I could help her or not. You know, where's the weird? We had a guy um, in Somerville. There's an area where it's a food right, and this man in a wheelchair, and we. We were going there, and at the time, the church allowed us. We had a, a little credit card that we usually don't have these anymore, but we had a credit card that if someone needed a benevolence you know, performed for them and it was within reason, we were allowed to do it. And so this man asked if we could help buy him some groceries. And so we, Ryan and I had only been working together for like a couple of months at that point, and uh, we said yes. You know, we had not seen this man before, and so he's in a wheelchair. You know, of course, we took pity on him because – He's out there. He's asking for food. He doesn't look like he's getting good meals. And so we went in there and we, we dropped around 80 to a hundred dollars on him and we're walking out and two men say, you know, he's just going to sell it for crack. Right. And I said, what? <laughs> and sure enough, I kid you not. I don't know if it was for drugs, but we are involved in prison ministry here in Somerville. And we went to the prison, the local jail one night. And there was that man in the wheelchair in the local jail cell. And he said, y'all remember me? And I said, I sure do. And he said, well, I'm glad y'all are here tonight to preach the gospel. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't, I don't really know what to say to that. But yeah, it's some of the things that happen with the benevolence is, is crazy. It's insane. Luckily, luckily here at East Hill, we have a, um, we have a, a program. Basically, you come in, you fill out an application. It goes through uh, the secretary, then goes through another man who's in charge of our benevolence program to try to I guess filter out the ones who really don't need to help. Man, it's tough, isn't it? It's hard to know, <clears throat> um, you know, whether or not you should help. And I, I know some people say, you know, you should help everybody. You're not, you know, you're you're not the one who's supposed to judge, you know, anyone's situation. But I also understand that we do need to be good stewards of our money too, and also try to figure out, you know, where it should go and what, how how best it should be used. But that's tough, um, you know, knowing who to help, when to help, and how much to help people. So uh, that's hard. Yeah. I had a guy once tell me he would, he was an older gentleman. He was like the maintenance guy at this congregation and he would give money to everybody. And one time he, somebody came up and told a sad story and he gave him, you know, $20 out of his own pocket. And I looked at him, I said, Mr. Cooper, I said, why did you do that? How do you know they were telling the truth? And Mr. Cooper, he said this, it's not my responsibility to determine if they're telling the truth. Yeah. My responsibility is only to respond when I believe there's a need. And that's what God wanted me to do. So sure. I get it, man, but it is tough. Yeah. is absolutely tough. So I guess my last thing, you know, cause we, it's funny because we were joking off air about stories that we can't tell. Right. Um, and so we all have those. <laughs> yeah. Please understand there's more stories that, that maybe have happened, but some that may not be appropriate for, for a podcast. But um, one that did happen that I didn't see coming and it is not funny at all. 
was when I was again in my first ministry, my first preaching ministry, I should say, um, I learned a lot about what people expect of the preacher and what they don't expect of the preacher. Uh, and oftentimes you don't learn what people expect until you miss their expectations. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a sad thing and it's not fair. And if there's a preacher who's listening to this, the reality is sometimes you think you know what the members want, but then you realize you don't know what the members want until you mess up and then they tell you what you don't, you know, they want. So this was one of those times. And, um, it was a time in my life. My father had, he was still alive. He had cancer and he had just come off of one of his surgeries, uh, to deal with his cancer and his cancer dealt with his intestines and then it dealt with his liver. And so there's a recovery process with that. And as family, you want to be there for one another. You want to help each other. And so as a son, you know, I really felt I needed to go uh, to help him. And I had the ability to do so. I didn't do anything, you know, as far as responsibilities or anything, you know, leaving responsibilities. So I went over there one day. I don't remember what day of the week it was. And um, I was going to mow his yard. You know, he couldn't mow his yard. I was going to mow his yard, help, and just be kind of there with him and support him and things on those lines. Well, during that whole deal, so like I probably left, I probably left something like on a Thursday and was gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come home Saturday night so I could preach Sunday morning. Well, while I was gone, one of the members got sick. And this was an older member, an older lady. She got sick. And ended up going into the hospital. And she was she was very sick um, to the point where she thought she was going to die that sick, right? Now, here's here's where I was at. I really felt, and then, you know, like I was caught kind of between a rock and a hard place. I was close enough to shoot back to Columbia if I needed to. But we were also a congregation that had... Um, two other ministers on staff and we had five elders that, you know, no doubt could handle whatever was going to come about. So I, I talked to him and it was decided, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about coming back. I talked to one of the ministers and he went to visit her. But what ended up happening was, I don't know how sick she was. She didn't die. She lived, uh, recovered and all this and that. However, the associate minister got my attention and he said, Joe, you really ought to go see her. This was, I was already back for a time. And he said, you ought to go see her because I don't know how long I've been back. It was probably on that Sunday. You got to go see her because she's telling people that you didn't come visit her. <laughs> and of course you're like, okay, come on, you know. Here I am gone to help take care of my dad's situation with his cancer. Um, I leave. I'm gone. There's two other ministers and the elders. Well, here's what I learned in ministry through that event. In, their, in some people's eyes, the associate minister can come see them. The youth minister can even go see them. And the elders can go see them. But if the preacher doesn't go see them, get this. This is what it was it. The church doesn't care because it wasn't just that she was talking about me not having gone to visit her in that hospital moment. 
it was the church just didn't care. They didn't respond the way that they should have. And so here's what's silly. Our elders did go see her. Our men, other ministers did go see her. So I went over to her house like on that Monday uh, after getting back, something real short period of time. And I just walk in and I, I, I look at her and give her and her husband a hug. And I immediately just start, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, what for? What for? Well, I've obviously made you feel like you weren't important to me. And I just wanted to apologize to you because you are important to me. And I, I wish it was a situation where I could have been there to come visit you at the hospital. And so as we talked about it, it was one of those things that um, she was probably more bold when I wasn't there than when I was there. Because when I was there, there wasn't really that you don't love me, the church doesn't love me concept. It was, thank you so much. You know, I understand we need to be there for our parents as they age. And so that story is not so much a funny one, but it's a story about ministry that happens in ministry of youth. You know, don't assume you know what the people really want um, until you blow it, because what they really wanted in that case, that person, they just wanted me to go visit them to make them feel like I really cared. The truth was I cared anyway. I was just over at my parents, you know, my dad's house, helping him deal with the effects of his cancer. So not a funny one, but something I learned a lot in ministry on. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Caleb, you got anything that you want to say or add or anything of that nature to what we discussed kind of today? No, no, it's just, uh, um, it, it's interesting. A lot of people don't understand or even know, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes on um, in ministry. They, they just assume that the preacher works on Sunday and on Wednesday. Of course, y'all have heard that before. Preachers only work two days a week, right? Um, but they only, they're only there Sundays and Wednesdays and that's it. But it's, it's just interesting when you talk to other ministers and all of the stories and things that they've gone through um, and how, you know, dealing with, with, I mean, your job literally deals with people. Um, and that's one of the interesting things about ministry. Your job changes. It's different every day a lot of times because you're interacting with people. Um, and so it's kind of, I mean, it makes the job fun in that sense, but it also keeps it interesting, keeps you on your toes um, and uh, about all the things that there are to learn about people and how to interact and how to deal with them. So, Well, I will close by telling a story about me and Joe and his son. I don't know if you remember this or not by just me saying that, but a couple of years ago at PTP, we were all throwing a football around and uh, one of the people that I was throwing the ball to said, really zip it in there. And I said, okay. And so I, I cocked back and I let it fly and it was going perfect spiral. And I look over to see one of Joe's younger sons just get pelted by this ball. And I mean, you've seen the movies where a sniper takes somebody out and their whole body flies forward and backward. That's what it looked like. And I thought I just killed Joel's son at PTP. And I had to, I had to run over to him, make sure he was okay. And then I brought him back to Joe and come to find out he wasn't supposed to be over in that area anyway. And so he ended up getting in trouble for being in the wrong place. I thought, man, talk about a double whammy. Not only did he get hit in the face with a big NFL ball, he then got in trouble for getting hit in the face. How, how ironic is that? And so uh, I apologize profusely to Joe and Joe's like, no, he shouldn't have been over there. So, I was going to say, if he hadn't have been in the wrong place, yeah. he wouldn't have gotten would have smacked with the ball. Right. That's right. But I think it was Man, Wayne I got, Rogers. I got worries about my kids, dude. I, 
yeah. ministry. You talk about PTP. One time, and I know you're signing off, so I mean, oh, no. one time Dan Winkler came up to shake one of my boys' hands. And this is probably one of my, the youngest son. He was really young. And Dan Winkler bends over to shake his hand, and my little boy doubles his fist up and punches Dan <laughs> in the only place that would be exactly at the right height yeah. for oh, a little man. boy that yep. size. Right? <laughs> Oh, and he man. punched Dan. And, of course, Dan backs away. And Mama, you know, Aaron, she is mortified <laughs> that our son would do that. And Dan Winkler, I mean, of all people, come on, you know. Well, Brother Dan, he's so nice. He backed away and shook it off. And so he came in again for another handshake, only to have that same son <laughs> double up again and punch him one more time. Oh, so man. I got stories after stories about my children involved in my ministry. <laughs> Uh, that are quite funny, man. We let me tell you, brother. We've we've cleaned very well. They were babies at one time. <laughs> yeah. and there are times that they need to be taken out, not because they need a whooping, but because they need a diaper changing. And then you get to clean the carpet up as oh. they're going out, they're <laughs> leaving surprises. So there have yeah. been numerous stories that see. These are the things that weren't supposed to make the podcast, right? <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, I'll close by saying what happened just this past Sunday and then I'll sign us off. But my, my wife has been, uh, the victim of theft the last couple of Sundays when it comes to the Lord's supper, my son is old enough now to know that cracker looks appealing. And so he has stolen that cracker from her two weeks in a row. And this past Sunday, she said, you can't have that. And he looked at her and said, Jesus died for me too. Oh. And how do you respond to that? Because he did, but, and, I, and she goes, how do you answer that? And I said, I don't know. I'm glad I was preaching. I didn't have to handle that. I was in the back handling something else, but man, the kid, you're right. Kids have so many different things. The one liners they think of and the things that happen. Uh, but what a blessing it is that though the work of the church is, is so important and so serious that, uh, God every now and then will send us a little humor and an opportunity okay. to have a story to tell and laugh. And when we think about some of the stories that we've talked about already with other ministers and stories we'll hear in the future, uh, the number one takeaway from all of this is sometimes brother Tom Holland was right. Sometimes it's funnier when you should not be laughing. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, those types of stories have happened throughout the years. I know they'll continue to happen, but uh, Joe, we're really grateful that you've taken some time to be on the program with us this week, as well as the Through Their Eyes. Uh, if y'all haven't caught that episode, definitely go back and give that a listen. It was an excellent discussion on the family. Uh, really appreciated what Joe and Caleb brought to the table on that. There were excellent points made about the state of our young people, the state of our family. And so uh, make sure you're checking out those programs, of course. If you just started listening to the Scattered Abroad Network and you're thinking that you enjoy this content, there are eight different shows in addition to these two that air and there are an entire season worth of almost every one of them that you can go back and listen to and get caught up before we start our next season in August. And so uh, check out our show notes and look for our social media links, all of our platforms that we're on. And if you have a question, you want to email us or message us on Facebook or whatever the case may be, make sure to do that. But in, in all sincerity, as we close this episode out, just remember Sometimes it's okay to laugh and it's all right to just chuckle from time to time. So Joe, thanks so much for being on the program with us and hopefully y'all tune in with us again next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the scattered abroad network at gmail.com. 
That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.